can do anything and I can overcome challenges. I celebrate the weirdness. You put yourself in those shoes and it really affects you. I am pissed at you. <laughs> that was the start. I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, oh, I believe in this dream I've been dreaming, oh, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, oh, I believe in this dream I've been dreaming, oh. Here she is, the legendary Tess, here to uh, <laughs> fix me. What, what do we got? <laughs> What, what's up for today, Taz? Tell me, what, what, what are we working today? on? You know, we've got a few things. There's a few things because, of course, I've been watching the other videos, the ones that you did with Steve and mm -hmm. the one that you did with Hank, which was incredibly f on fire. <laughs> and, and, and rolling all of that into what we talked about last time. Um, so I thought a little bit, then we might spend a little bit just recapping what we talked about last time because I think we didn't really wrap it up with a bit of a ribbon last time. And normally I really like to sort of summarize what we've covered off on. And these are the themes that I got out of it. So I'd love to know what you got out of it. We talked mostly about, or well, a lot about your fear of disappointing others mm -hmm. and tying that into your family motto of toujours prêt and always being ready, always being prepared, always being professional. Um, and so those things seem to go really hand in hand to me. These aren't problems, by the way. <laughs> These are just themes. These are themes that emerge. Sure. Um, what really stood out to me was that there's no evidence of you ever disappointing people. You know, that, that doesn't seem to, like there's no proof there that, you, that you've really let people down. Okay, you're gonna disagree, good. We're gonna get to that. Let's get to that in a minute okay. though. And we talked a little bit about, you know, who, the idea of playing it small and we didn't really dive into what that actually means for you. I think we might've talked a little bit about what it meant for Steve um, and his interpretation of that in terms of, you know, promoting for you what, what you could be doing. But I'm curious to know a little bit more about what that means to you. But did you do your homework? Yes. One was, uh, when did I let somebody down? The other one, I have the story, but what was the question? And did you have a picture of it? Uh, yeah, yeah, what you're most proud of? There we go. Yeah, Overcoming yeah. something that was a challenge as a child, I found yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so for that one, I came up with uh, the, first, the first thing that I ever bought with my own money was a skateboard. And it's just, yeah. it ends up being this super cheap $40 skateboard. But for me at the time, I forget how old I was, 9, 10, 13, I don't know, I'm probably a little younger. Uh, it was a lot. And so uh, my parents, I really wanted a skateboard and my parents said, no, we're not gonna buy it for you. So you have to go find a way to buy it yourself. And so I had saved up my allowance and I, I did whatever I could to start saving money. And I forget how long it took, but I saved up and saved up and saved up and finally I got 40 bucks and we, and we went to, this is $40, I guess a little more expensive. I'm 38 now, so 30 yeah. years ago. Wow. It's old. Um, <laughs> and we went to the right, store. <laughs> we, we went to the store and, and, and I bought it. I still have it. So I don't even need a picture of it. I've got it on my, on my shelf at home. I'm in, I'm in Phoenix right now on my tour, so I can't show you. But, but I've got it on my shelf at home as a visual, as a reminder of that was the first thing I ever spent my own money on that I saved up and just overcoming as a kid. How do you figure out how to make money? And, and do it because it was the first time my parents told me no to something that I wanted, at least that I remembered. Yeah, maybe for Christmas or a birthday or no, you have to go figure out a way to 
save up and buy it. And so that's why it's still on my, I never became a skateboarder. Um, I think I only went on it like 10 times or something. And it was mostly my dog pulling me. So I put my dog on a yeah. leaf and she would pull me, yeah. this German Shepherd. So I never really wrote it, um, but I saved it all those years, you know, from nine to 38, taking it from place to place. I love that you still got it. I love yeah, that it's pretty cool. It's, it's, I mean, That's it's a such a powerful, of, tangible driver. Yeah. yeah. And I don't keep much from, I'm not a hoarder, so I don't, I don't have a lot of that kind yeah. of stuff, but I'm pumped that I kept that. I showed it to Mikey Taylor, who is uh, one of the most successful uh, skateboarders in the world. It's like Tony Hawk and then Mikey Taylor. And uh, he's like, I've never heard of that company. You know, that's a, that's a piece of garbage skateboard. It's like, I don't, I know, man. Probably it sucks. But, but what it represents is yeah. so powerful. You know, it it wouldn't matter what it was. It's so important. How does that still drive you when you see that? When you look at that? You know, because I talked last time about my superhero photo. I've actually got it as a wallpaper on my phone at the moment, and and I look at that and I draw strength from that image. How does how does the skateboard? How does that, how do you draw strength from that? What does that give you? I don't know that I do, to be honest, all that much. Um, I think at the time it was just a reminder of, I think it's just a cool part of my history and story. And maybe it does subconsciously. I don't really look at it on a daily basis and say, man, I, I bought that skateboard and I can do anything and I can overcome challenges. Um, but I'm just pumped that I have it as a, as a kind of a memento. I yeah. think I've, I've, I've become that person so I'm just, I'm just resourceful. It's been practiced and ingrained into me over and over and yeah, over see, and over I don't again. believe it's not important. I don't believe that that skateboard doesn't give you something because you, of all of the things you could have kept, you kept that. And of all of the things that you've got on display in your home, it's that. So whether or not it's a conscious thing, and for me, my photo yeah. obviously is a conscious thing. It's a conscious thing, right? Yeah. For you, it's not necessarily a conscious thing, but it's really important. You know, it stands testament to your ingenuity and your entrepreneurial vigor and you know all of that stuff it's encapsulated yep. in that skateboard i think that's awesome yeah I'm, I'm super happy i kept it um yeah i don't i don't consciously look at it but i'm, I'm pumped that i still have it so yeah 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 maybe you'll look at it differently next time yeah. so the second one was when did i let somebody down the one that came to mind was there was uh so i do i do ig live coaching so I'll, I'll go out, I'll go live on IG. Yeah. And somebody will come on and uh, ask some questions. And I never know who I'm going to get and wh who they are and what kind of problems they have. And it was this one guy in particular who um, wanted to write a blog post and has been procrastinating, putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I wanted to get him to do the blog post. And, and he was, he was getting closer and closer, like they're pushing the, the publish, uh, button and everybody in the live audience is cheering him on like yeah yeah do it come on you got this and just getting him over his fear of being perfect and just get anything up just 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 yeah. get some momentum any kind of momentum and then you can fix it and update it tomorrow just put it up post and and uh, at the end of the day he was so close but then he said no I can't I can't I can't and then and then he had to go to pick up his daughters from school and and we ran out of time. I had to recognize that I only had like 30 seconds left with him before I had to run out the door. I, I tried to bring him back up because I didn't want to leave him on a low. Like now he's just failed at the thing. 
that he wants to win at. He just failed with his mentor, with a live audience of people watching him. And I, in my head, it's like, oh my God, I just destroyed this guy. I just totally let him down. And he's worse than when he, when he first came. Like that could set him back and maybe he never posts at all because of that trauma that just happened. The, the disappointment of, I mean, I didn't know him, but he knew me and he looked up to me and then he just publicly disappointed me and looked, looked bad, you know, and let me down. So I had 30 seconds to say, Hey man, don't worry. Like, I love you. We'll follow up. Like, we'll make it happen. Uh, go enjoy your daughters. Just trying to find any words to help him. I followed up on him because I wasn't the rest of my day. I was, I think he left the live chat and then I was like, I was just like this on, on my own live stream for three minutes or something. Cause it was like, I'd never lost somebody. Right. I thought of it like I lost him. I never, I hadn't lost somebody. If I'm, if I'm pushing people on something, I'm usually pretty sure that I can get a result and get them, take them to where they need to be, not having them exit. Um, so I, I mean, the rest of my day was super unproductive because all I'm thinking about is this guy and, and I keep following up with him. Uh, eventually at like eight or nine o'clock at night, he, he messages me back. He's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to post it. I'm going to do something. Um, and, and he, he did the post at like 10 o'clock at night or something, but it was constant, like coaching and following up and encouraging the entire night to get him to feel confident enough to post it. Uh, and so I guess ultimately maybe I didn't let him down, but, but it, it, I did in the moment and, and it, it drove me to have to find something to, to, to push him. Um, I'm thinking about today. So I just did, I, so I'm here in Phoenix. I just did a live session with two pretty successful marketers, pretty name brand people. I walked in, uh, with a, with a, with a mission, you know, like I walked in, like these guys need to get on YouTube. These guys, they need to blow up their brand. They have an important message. They need to get it out there. I'm going to, I'm going to will this into existence. And, and, you know, the first guy, he sold over a billion dollars worth of products. And he says, hey, come have private lunch with me upstairs. And I, I walk in, I, I sit down, like, I, he's like, hey, how are you? Like, I am pissed at you. <laughs> that was the start. And, and, you know, using that energy, I guess, and charisma to, uh, to pull him through that now he, you know, he's committed to it. Uh, the other guy um, also pushed him through. And now I'm going to go back tonight after, right after this and go meet him for his podcast. He wants to interview me on it. I feel like if I don't get them to do what they need to do, I've disappointed them. And I carry the passion and burden uh, to be able to make that happen. Uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, it's weird because once I'm out of the room or once I feel like if I've done my best, like there's a bunch of people who I talk to in that room who, who should be blowing up. And it's, I think it's their responsibility to. There's one guy in particular who's not going to do anything. He's not, I know he's not going to do anything. But I know if I hung around him, if, if we were hanging out, he would do something. It just, it would happen. You're just going to. I will, I will force you to do it. Like there's no option this, because the truth is undeniable. This, there's no argument for not doing it except you're scared and that's not acceptable. So let's go. I know that most people won't do anything with the information. I know like even that guy that I, so here's the thing, that guy that I helped yep. with the blog post, he posted like one more post and then stopped posting. So you followed up, you've been watching him, yeah? 
barely, but, but I, I feel I've let myself off the hook for that. I don't know. I don't feel how, as responsible. How have you, how have you, okay. So how did that happen? How did you let yourself off the hook? How, how is it no longer your responsibility? Cause this is the thread. Is okay. that you feel responsible for other people's decisions. Okay. And you feel frustrated that they're not doing what you want them to do. You don't have control over their decision-making and it frustrates the hell out of you. And you're calling it disappointment, but you've let them down. I'm wondering, I think they've let you down. Um, because they're not doing what you know will work well for them. Maybe. I think I put pressure on myself to give the most that I can. I care about people more than I should given my relationship to them. And I put a lot of pressure on myself that the time that we spend together has to count and mean something. And I'm going to push as hard as I can to help you go. But I also recognize that most people are going to fall back to where they were. And I just hope that my intensity or, um, and energy carries them through enough. But I recognize that so most of the time people, I won't. For that guy, you know, we don't know this, obviously we don't know this, but for that guy, that one post breaking through and posting that one post might be enough of a win that now he feels empowered to do something else, which he's actually feeling much more passionate about. We don't know. We can't know. Um, so there's all sorts of reasons why people don't follow up is what I'm trying to get at there. So how did you let yourself off the hook with him? Like, how do you no longer feel responsible? I expect people not to follow through and I put it out of my mind um, okay. and just try to get better for next time. So here's another example. I had a one-on-one -on -one with a guy who came to my workshop last night in Phoenix. So one-on-one -on -one, he came and he wants to be a thought leader. He wants to be an expert. He wants to share his story and have that, that um, spread and impact other people. And he's gone through a ton of, of trauma. And he's, he's summarizes the stories that happened. So he's like, yeah, I was in the military and I got made fun of because I had um, you know, bad teeth and that really sucked. Like, well, that's not a story. Like you gotta, you gotta bring me into the story. If I don't feel the thing that you're feeling, you're not gonna move me with your, with your, uh, with your story. I'm not going to, whatever yeah. ideas you give me afterwards, they don't land yet because you haven't brought me, you haven't connected with me emotionally. So I said, okay, let's work on one together. Let's work, let's work through one together. And it was talking about how he was working at a company and his boss hated him. Uh, and, and one day his boss put a noose on his desk. And they, <laughs> wild, <that>. right? Wild. <laughs> right. And, then, right. and then he didn't yeah. know what to do. He didn't know what to do. And he was afraid and then ultimately left that job and went somewhere else. And I was trying to pull out of him, like, well, like, how did it make you feel? And what, what would the version of you now go back to, if you could step in if 10 years ago or wherever that happened, how would you want to have done it differently? And he's, he's super nervous and sweating, like trying to come up with the answers and figure it out. And ultimately, it was the most he had ever shared of his story because he's scared and because nobody's ever helped him tell the story properly before. And so... On the one hand, I know it's insane value for him. Like that's a starting point to be able to do that in front of me and cameras and, and tell it. And at the same time, if I was better at that thing, I'd pulling it out, we could have got an even better story. I'm talking with my team after, like, what did you think? It's like, I wish he told, I wish he really told the story. And, and I take that as my responsibility to have pulled it out more from him than what I did. And I'm not, going to follow up with them probably unless I get inspired to, but I use it as, okay, next time I need to get better to fix it. 
pattern recognition, right? Okay, I've seen this pattern, so the next time I see it again, I need to do a better job of you learn from it. You trying to get it better. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I massively helped him and also let him down and that I could have done more, but I don't, and that's there, I'm not beating myself up because I know I helped him. I just feel like yeah. I need to, for the next time, I'll do better. And so that's how I let it go. The guy who I, who I like pushed over the edge and then he had to go pick up his kids destroyed me so much because I wasn't able to bring him back up. Um, yeah. Inevitably, through working with me, uh, I end up there. Ends up being a push moment. Like there's a there's a moment that's uncomfortable that I that I'm going to push you through to get to where you need to go, and that's that's awkward and uncomfortable. And I only do that when I feel like I can push somebody and get to the other side. And I made the wrong call with him. I wasn't able to do it at least in the moment. So that's why I had to stay on him. So that's I, why perhaps you felt so disappointed is because you, in hindsight, you're know, reviewing it you feel like you made the wrong call that, you know, there wasn't enough time left on all these things, but yeah. in, in hindsight, you should have pushed him. You should have pushed him harder. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of how I handled it afterwards of staying on him, even though it was the most unproductive day of all time. Cause I was in my head just worrying about this guy. And um, you know, now he's bringing negative energy to pick up his daughters and he's not going to be a good parent for that evening. And, yeah. Uh, I, I led him down that path. Uh, so you have intense empathy, Like you are in his shoes. You yeah. just put yourself right there and you're still there. You've gone back there. You're, like, you're in his shoes. You're completely seeing what his evening might have played out like. We can't know for certain, but you put yourself in those shoes and it really affects you. And I think that the, perhaps the pain of that degree of empathy that you have is what, is that what drives you not to want to disappoint people? Cause it hurts too much. Uh, it could be, I, I think it's, it's the thing that it's the, it's a weakness and the greatest strength at the same time. Like that's why I can help people is cause I can get into yeah. their head and, and feel the same way that they feel. And, mm. and I worry about them. I worry about people more than I should given our relationship. Yeah. 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 Okay, so, you know, I mean, you and Hank were talking on similar theme to this, you know, um, the other week. And, uh, you know, Hank was, talking, <laughs> Hank was talking about, you know, you being like a robot and where's the humanity and where's the emotion in you and the vulnerability. You've already got it. So you've got a lot of shields up that protect you. Okay. From that emotional stuff. You know, I mean, when we're sitting down face-to-face -face talking like this, you're a lot more relaxed than when you're standing up in your normal sort of studio and and maybe that makes conversation easier i don't know i don't know what it's like when you're sitting in a room with cameras and lights and someone sitting in a chair next to you i don't know how that feels different to you but certainly you know those shields that you have up to protect you from that degree of empathy that's a strategy that you've learnt that's a lifelong strategy you know that's a strategy that you've somehow built up over the years to protect yourself emotionally I don't know why. I don't know what drove that. I don't know if you know what drove that. I don't know if you know what started that. Were you a very sensitive kid? I think I've always been a little different and weird. I was fortunate to always have my parents' support and... Different and weird how, though? Uh, what do you I mean? I just... So, uh, I, would, I, always, I see the world a little different, differently than other people. I'm a, I'm a weird duck. So... The story that comes to mind is, I think I, I may have said it last time, where I had to paint the picture of a window, and then I painted a picture of a window, but then I painted 
dressing on the window and a, and a, and a skyline outside and a sunset and a boat and all this stuff. And the teacher gave me a F for the project because uh, the assignment was just draw a picture of a window and everybody else should did the square with a window frame. And then on parent teacher night, my, my parents went in and said, well, he, the problem was your lack of clarity. He drew a window, he did the assignment. So yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, that I didn't not, I didn't pass on that project, but it made me feel like, okay, it's, it's stupid teacher. You know, like I'm, my parents always back me up with that kind of stuff. Um, so stupid teacher, once you spoke to your parents, but the initial reaction to failing that project, I mean, that must've felt really um, confusing because of course you can see through a window. That's what a window is, you know, so I can see where your logic was in, in that painting. I don't remember, maybe, like maybe it's buried and I don't, I don't remember receipt. All I remember is the hero moment of my parents going in and, and defending me. So I guess yeah. there's, I guess there's something buried underneath that or not. Did they I don't do know. that a lot for you? Do you feel like they, they would always, were they doing that a lot? Because I'm interested that that story came up as why you're a weird duck. Uh, I don't know. It came to mind. Um, my parents always supported me. So when I was doing baseball cards, you know, I was 12, 13 years old, selling baseball cards. Every week we'd go to this, we'd go to our cottage and on the way was, it's a three hour drive and we'd go to this uh, flea market where I would sell and trade my baseball cards with, with people who were 40, 50, 60 years old. And I'm 12 and negotiate over 25 cents. And they would always encourage me to go and buy me subscriptions to the the pricing magazines and all that stuff. Most kids, I guess, weren't doing that. Like that's, that's weird. I didn't even feel at the time, I guess it was weird. I don't know. I always had their support and they always, you know, believe my one word came from them. I'm Evan Castrilli Carmack. I could do anything I want. Uh, and so remembering that in times of uh, chaos or um, uncertainty, or I'm doing something weird or different. When did you first feel weird? When did you first? Because you're saying you're looking back and it was weird because other kids weren't doing it. But were you, were kids picking on you? Were they making a thing of it? Like, when did you first feel that you were weird? What can you remember of that? I don't remember being super bullied or picked on or made fun of. Um, but I remember I had to go, I went to a, I went to a psychologist when I was grade two or three or four or five, somewhere in there. So obviously there was something worrisome to my parents that they would want to send me to a child psychologist. I guess I should ask them maybe, why did you send me to a child psychologist? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just sat down and, and I remember looking at pictures of ink blots and they say, what do you see here? And they go, oh, I see a butterfly. And how about here? I don't know, clouds. And okay, thank you. And that was, maybe there's some more. We play a game and, uh, and I, you know, it's just observation through observation, they'd make a diagnosis. And it was the recommendation, that at least the only one that I heard was, I need to switch schools and go to a different school. And so I, I left that school and went to another school. What was the difference between the schools? I don't remember. Uh, one was a Montessori. I don't really even know what a difference is between a Montessori and a, and a different school. Was that the new school? Was the new school a Montessori no, school? No, the old school is a Montessori school. I don't even know what Montessori is, but it's a different kind of teaching program. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that was like grade two or three. And then in grade four, I went to the new school. 
it's super young. You know, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I could ask my parents if that's like my homework for next week. Why did you send me to a child psychologist? We can um, make it your homework. <laughs> homework? I'm, I'm, I'm assigning <laughs> myself homework. homework. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. Because I, I'm interested to know you've got this thing going on. You've talked about um, another thing that came through in your conversation with Hank, and there was a glimmer of it in our conversation as well. This idea of, you know, you think you're awesome, you, and you say that a lot. I'm awesome. Totally awesome. I am too, by the way. And, and, then you say, but I suck and I suck and I want to, I want people to tell me that I suck. So this, this, this thread between feeling weird, feeling like a fish out of water, feeling like you're, you're a bit uncommon okay. and knowing that there's something wrong to be fixed. I'm using inverted commas there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if only we could fix this thing, then maybe you'd be even more awesome or even you know bigger and better than you are now. It's like, it's like there's this little thread and we're trying to find it. We're just trying to find this thread and see what it is and identify it and talk about it and look at it. Okay. And then it's, it's a little bit like then you can see what it is, well, what it is, whether or not you then need to change it. That's another question. Sometimes it is just identifying this, the thing for what it is, a little bit like your skateboard. You know, It's not that powerful a thing in your mind, but it's important enough that you still have it. So this thread, this weird thread, this I suck thread, but I'm also awesome thread. And your parents have driven that I'm awesome thing. You know, they've obviously been this big influence going through, pumping up your tires all the time for you, which is so awesome in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely curious to know what they thought was going on for you as a kid. Because you, even though you can't necessarily consciously remember it now. Sure. It was a thing at the time, right? Of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, you don't yeah. just take your kid to a child psychologist for yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm the second child. So they already had some parenting experience, you know, it's not like and I'm they weren't just the anxious. First. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've never thought to ask that. So we could mystery. Let's find mystery. out. Let's mystery to pull mystery. on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think in more recent terms, I've been, I, I like attacking things that make me feel, uh, I don't know, mentally weak, I guess it's the best way to say that. I'm not a huge fan of that, but uh, if I feel like I can't do it, then I, then I have to do it. Give me an example. What does that mean? So I have a strategy called Dan the Doritos. Like what? So Dan the Doritos is when people, when you're on a diet, so I went on a diet and the, the advice is you need to get the junk food out of the house because you're going to be tempted. And in thinking about that, I did that. But then I thought, wait, I think this is actually making me weaker. Like I'm training myself that I can't be around junk food and have control. I don't like that. I want to fix that. And my weakness is Doritos because I love Doritos. The spicy chili Doritos are like, that's the best. Um, I'm with you. (laughs) and, and, And so I went to Costco and bought the biggest giant bag of Doritos that I could. And... Uh, I put it, it's on my desk right next to me as a reminder because damn the Doritos. Damn them. Damn yeah, the Doritos. Right. So, so we're here. I've got, I've got a, a, a huge bag of Chicago mix, chocolate covered raisins, York peppermint patties, like just hanging out on the countertop and, and six days a week I'm on a healthy diet and one day tomorrow, Saturday. So like we're counting down and I love looking at it and I love thinking I'm stronger than those Doritos or or cookies or whatever uh and so anything that I feel makes I don't know what you would call that but anything I and I feel 
I want to use that as a challenge. And then people say, well, don't, doesn't your resistance go down? Like, don't, don't you just eventually succumb to it? And for me, it, it makes me stronger. Well, no, like yeah. I gain strength. I look at it and like in my head, I'm yeah. saying, I'm amazing. I'm, a, I'm better than those Doritos. It's, it's the, I'm not physically doing it, but if you watch my Instagram stories, you'll see like, I'm stronger than you, Doritos. I'm stronger than you. And it makes me feel even better. I don't like that feeling of I can't do it. Like I want to take the, take the junk food out of the house. But then as soon as I go on a, on a vacation or as soon as I go on a, I leave the house for an event or something, then I'm screwed because I've now taught myself that I can't handle it. And so I want to go off and, and yeah. prove to myself that I can. And so there's that competitive streak, I guess, with myself. The thought of when the cell phone goes on, alarm in the morning, it's like take the cell phone out of the room and put it in the kitchen so that you have to get up and go turn it off. I think that makes you weaker. Even the thought, I don't hit the snooze button in the morning, but even the thought of that, if that was even a thought, I would then want to have the phone right next to me, alarm goes off and I just get up just because, just because I feel like I need to have it in the other room. I love tackling those things. So yeah. applying that in business, like Steve, is, Steve was on me uh, last week uh, uh, talking about how, hey, you got you to gotta, you gotta do follow-ups and you got to, this, this tour, you got to do a paid tour. You're afraid to do a paid tour. Yeah. Great. Let's do a paid tour. I've never done one. It's my chance to go and fail every four days in 23 different cities, not just one off. Like every four days, I get to get up and face my fear. Here yeah. we go. You need to connect with people and uh, have them help promote your event. And you need to follow up. And you're afraid of following up. So how's up. that playing out? Okay. So how's it all playing out? Because you're what, a third of the way through now, you were saying to me before. <laughs> So you're third of the way through. So how's that playing out? You know, the confronting your fear, the people, whether people turning up, whether you're feeling like you're disappointing them, whether you're delivering enough to them, the follow-up, how's it all playing out? It's mostly gone, the fear. Now that you can recognize that it's gone, what was the real fear? What was the fear there? The fear was still disappointing people. The fear was like, I didn't know. Seriously, I don't know if the content's going to work. I don't know. I've never yeah. done this before. I don't know what, how people are going to react. Um, I'll tell myself it doesn't matter because I will just transmit believe energy and it's going to be great. That's like how I get through it. And, and I'll regret it if I don't try. So I have to go off and try and, and trying and sucking is better than not trying and not knowing. Yeah. So I have to try. And so I went off and did it. And, and then in the past three, I felt no nerves going into it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I, I want to shake it up. I want to do more, more Q and A. We're gonna. How about we just go right into Q and A? So I've been experimenting with the format each time. So it's not the same thing every time, and it's getting better with each city because I'm trying something a little bit new each time that makes it. I, I, that stuff is easy for me. Like I love optimizing and testing and doing the same thing 23 times is going to be super boring. But then it also creates some anxiety in that. What if this new thing doesn't work? You yeah. know, and then I'll still have yeah. to go back and tell myself it doesn't matter because. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transmit belief and they're going to they're gonna yeah. feel the energy. Here's something interesting that's just coming to mind. There's, I have a little bit of guilt that the event I just did in Phoenix yesterday yeah. was so awesome. I have a little bit of guilt that the Pittsburgh event, my first one, they didn't get the full experience. They loved it. They loved it. It was a yeah. great event. People yeah. freaking out, spazzing, posting on Instagram and everything, but it's better now. It's yeah. better now. And I could have done better, right? And I know I'll do better. That, like, I'll just keep getting yeah. better until we're done. 
because with repetition, you get better. So I will, I will keep getting better. I could have done better to help the people in Pittsburgh. And I use that as, okay, I need to make sure that the next one, the next one keeps getting better. I need to use that not as a negative spot, but as a positive to improve and keep getting better. Interesting you say that. I'm actually running my first in-person workshops. Uh, I've got my very first one next week. And I'm a bit like you, a bit of an over-deliverer. And I've got these little goodie bags. There's a very small number of people going, so I can spoil them rotten. Oh, now I'm telling them. I've got goodie bags to surprise them with, right? I'm already feeling guilty for the next time I run these things when there's more people and I won't be able to... You know, right. viable to do that for everybody in the future if there's bigger numbers so I, I get it like I really get that sense of letting people down and wanting to spoil people wanting to give them absolutely the best experience that they've had um maybe you know I mean with your you know as you go you know in another three you know when you're another third of the way through you'll be looking like you said you'll be looking back on this event and going mm -hmm. damn they were ripped off Mm -hmm. what do you think is going to be different like what do you think in another what by the end of the tour what do you think what do you what do you foresee will be different about what you're doing i think the biggest difference is as i get more comfortable and as i'm having more fun and as i'm diving into the personal stories of the people there it's just a better experience to be honest in our phoenix event i didn't even cover i didn't cover as much material i didn't even cover the last segment that i covered in every other spot but there were so many questions coming up that I spent the time diving into their stories and helping them, and it led to having the best event of all time. I secretly hope I can do the whole thing Q&A, just straight Q&A, but I worry that I'm gonna fall too far off the content and not actually give them like tangible stuff uh, yeah. that they've written down and can do work on, because the exercises are pretty important. As opposed Is there to another way you can deliver that stuff? You know, can you do both, you know, deliver the content in a way that they still get that, but also get the Q and A, you know, maybe it's something that they can take with them or something that you deliver in a different format. It's what I'm trying to do. I think with the, I'm trying to get their questions and pick on somebody who has the issue that I want to then talk about in the content yeah. and then use that as a segue to like, okay, here's how we help this one person. Now here's what all you guys need to do do these exercises. You know, the point of this series is I want to get to 10 million subscribers. I need to be comfortable with being famous. Um, how do I get yeah. there? I think I've had a lot of association with fame to ego and it's never been about me. It's about the mission and I need to, but, but I need to get famous to be able to spread the mission and the message. And so once I recognize something, I love to attack it. Right? So it's, I'm going to be the, the introvert who gets famous, the introvert, humble person who gets famous. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but Join me on my journey. Let's go. And hopefully it inspires That's it, you, you know, busting these stereotypes. And I think that whether it's, you talked before also about busting the stereotypes of people talking to mental health professionals too. You know, there's lots of benefits to what you're doing with these videos. And some of the comments from last time, you have people talking about being brave, you know, being brave to share this content and being brave to put this out there. And, you know, busting that stereotype of, of that alpha, alpha male, I hate that phrase, but that, that, stereotype of the, the 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 egotistical the bombastic the loud and out there male successful entrepreneur on you know in social media world you know f the fame that comes with with those characters as well it's, uh, it's i don't know if it's courage that gets you there i think it's more about being comfortable with being yourself which you are you know you you are you know proudly different to that stereotype but there's still this thread and I'm excited for us to find out a little bit more about that thread, you know, that thread of the feeling weird, 
that thread of the kid who is, you know, taken off to see a psychologist uh, and what that was about and, and how that informs where you're at now. And I guess we'll find out a little bit more about that next time. Yeah, I got my homework. And, and now I celebrate the weirdness, right? I mean, it's yeah. something I yeah. celebrate, something I pass on to my son. We celebrate differences and weirdness and, and it's amazing. And so I'll, I'll tell a lot of stories in my workshops and say, hey, I'm a weird duck and here's why. And it, and it gets laughs by my being so weird and out there, it gives permission to other people to be a little weird themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't have to go to the extreme that I would go through on some of the examples and stories I tell. But in hearing that, at least a message to myself is it gives them some inspiration. Even like, tell me I suck. Why do I say, tell me I suck? Why am I, why am I just a total idiot in this thing? It's because I want to give permission for people to be honest. Yeah. Because if people hedge their opinions, if you're thinking something, but then you don't tell me, I can't get better. And so nobody yeah. actually says, Evan, you suck. It's usually, well, you don't suck, but you know what? Like if you did these things, which they may not tell me if I didn't give them permission. So I'll go to the extreme so that they have permission to tell me what's actually in their mind because that's the only way I get better. Yeah, okay. So why not just say that then? You know you don't suck. Well, you can say that though. You can say, you know, okay, here's what I want from you. I want, I want you guys telling me where you think I can improve and stuff like that. As opposed to that, it's almost like this thing about tell me I suck because nobody believes that. Because you don't. Everybody knows that. You know, you're a genuine soul and you're good at what you do. I separate between me as a human and the skills that I have. I don't suck right. as Evan Carmichael. I'm amazing. Why do, you separate, why do you separate them? I may suck at doing something. I may suck at getting on a skateboard or I may suck at painting one of those beautiful pictures behind your wall. Yeah. Like, I will yeah. suck at doing that, but I don't suck as a human. I'm amazing. Yeah. And yeah. so when I say, tell me that I suck, don't say, well, Evan, you're just a terrible human being. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. more like, what am I doing? So if I say, why do I suck on YouTube? Tell me, I'm missing something, right? And if my thumbnail strategy is off or I've miscalculated somewhere, great, because I can acquire that skill and go get better at it. I want to tie myself worth to my effort, the effort of doing something, not the result. Okay. And, and so I'm super okay. proud of my effort on things. Yeah. And this is, that's, that's like the embodiment of this growth, the growth mindset that people are hearing a lot about, you know, growth okay. mindset is, is decoupling exactly what you're talking about. So decoupling your sense of self-worth from uh, the outcomes, you know, so kids, for example, at school, uh, you, when you failed your art project, yeah. your teacher basically telling you you suck. So, well, hang on a minute. I did a drawing and I didn't do it the way you wanted. It doesn't mean I suck. It means you gave bad instructions. Growth mindset is all about saying, well, hang on, if I can put some more effort in or if I can get better instructions, there's something I can do that changes how I tackle the problem. I might learn and I might improve and I will grow. As opposed to those fixed mindsets that are where there's an enmeshment between you as a person and the outcome. Oh, therefore, I'm not smart enough. Therefore, I'll give up painting forever and I'll never achieve anything in life, blah, 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 all that right. stuff. It's such an important message that you can give to all of your audience, this idea of not believing that your skills define you or not believing that your educational experience defines you, um, not believing that it, just because you can't do this one thing that you're not a good person or that you're not worthy of X, Y, and Z. And I don't mean you personally. I mean, you know, your audience generally. Yeah, yeah. It's such That's an important I, message. It's what I'm yeah. trying to do. You know, I'm trying to yeah. do it, trying to live it. I don't feel like I suck as a human. It's my skills. My skills okay. do suck compared to where I need to go. 
and my awesomeness will allow me the perseverance to figure those things out. But the biggest thing that I don't know is I don't know what I don't know. Right. That's like, that's yeah. why we're here. Right. Like you're, yeah. you pull stuff out and you see the world in a totally different way and say, Evan, here's, here's the issue. You know, and here's, yeah. if you want to get to this spot, then this is what you need to work on. And, and I will work on it. You give me something and you say, this is the thing that needs to, you know, will stretch you. Great. I, I, I've tied myself respect to that. Like when Steve says, you're not good at following up with people and you're afraid to sell. Great. Paid tour. Let's go. Like I want to, I want to yeah. fix that. So I'm going to go acquire yeah. that skill. Yeah. I'm, I'm focusing, I guess, on, on that vul the vulnerability that we've talked to and Hank's okay. talked about. And Steve's sort of touched on a little bit too. Um, when we talked, when you talked about the story of the fingernails and painting your fingernails, okay. you told me that story and you told, I think you told Hank that story as well. Okay. Um, and I didn't, I didn't believe that that was vulnerability. I thought it was out of your comfort zone and I think that's slightly different. Okay. And this is why, you know, today we've been talking a little bit more about, about when you first felt weird and, okay. and how it felt to fail in your art class and why your parents took you to see a psychologist. You know, these things are, uh, are scratching at the surface of your vulnerability to get you in touch with that a little bit more so that you can do both. You can be outside your comfort zone and feeling whatever the feelings are and being really aware of that and acknowledging okay. that the emotional side so vulnerability is not about a task. Like I'm going to paint my fingernails. Or, was it orange with racing stripes? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I was terrified to do it. I was terrified to do it. And then I put, it was orange to match my airplane logo. And then yeah. I looked at it and said, wow, this looks really bad. Like orange on my skin tone, which is pinkish. It just looked brutal. Like this sucks. And I wanted to find a way to make it a little more personal. So I said, hey, how about if we do white racing stripes? And like, like you put on the car? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my weird duck brain, like, who does that? I don't know. So they, they wanted to put these little stickers, like a Hello Kitty sticker or something on. I said, how about we do some racing stripes? Like, okay. Okay. So you took it back into your comfort zone a little bit with the racing stripes. But I guess my point for you yeah. And this is why I want you to, you know, dig a little bit more into the background stories there is getting in touch with the emotions. I've talked before, I can't remember if we talked in the show about this or if it was after the show last time we spoke, but um, I, mean, I, have, I have factual memories about the difficult experiences I have had in my childhood, but I don't have emotional memories. And, um, you know, I've had to find witnesses to the emotions that I experienced as a child. My grandmother is my witness to that to get some sense of what it was like for me as a kid. And this is possibly why, you know, you might need to talk to your parents. They were your witness to what those emotions were like, you know, why you might've felt weird as a kid or why you were a fish out of water in school or what was going on for you and what you can learn from that as an adult. It's not about digging in the past for the sake of stirring up mud. It's actually about what can I learn from that, you know, and, and what of that do I carry with me today that I'm actually quite proud of that I can draw on as a strength to go forward. So finding a witness is a really powerful example or a powerful exercise for you to go, wow, you know, that was actually obviously really tough. For whatever reason, you can't remember, maybe it was not that important to you as a kid or maybe it was actually really painful and you've buried it down. We don't know yet because we don't know what the situation was. But digging on that and drawing on that, getting into that vulnerability space a little bit, seeing what you pull out of that. Yeah, I don't. I remember it being fun going and talking. Like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, we're gonna go play games and puzzles, and I get to look. I, I didn't know 
what it meant. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't feel like anything was wrong at the time, yeah. but obviously something was a concern. I'll do it. I'll find that out. And mm-hmm. as long as whatever I share doesn't throw somebody I love under the bus or expose yeah. light on them, I'm good. Yeah. We can go anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. unless, as long as my parents don't say, well, you know, your uncle beat you or something like, whoa, okay, great. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. I'm not going to throw. So that people say this is courageous. I don't feel it. Like I know how it is for other people, but this mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't courage. I'm happy to share anything about me mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't throw somebody else under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, and, and I would never want you to do that either. All right. So I guess, you know, building, weaving the vulnerability and weaving that understanding in, um, how will it change what you do on social media? How, what, what difference will it make? The work that we're doing to, to pull out some more of that vulnerability, you know, Hank mentioned it, Steve's kind of mentioned it, that sort of that sense of over control that, that you carry that those shields, that's the shields that I was talking about before those emotional shields. Like if you could let that go and if you could be, that vulnerable person that Hank's talked about and I'm sort of trying to draw out of you and um, Steve's mentioned in a way, if you could be that, what difference do you think it would make? What, why would it be important or a value? Uh, I think the, I mean, the more emotional connection you have, the more people will resonate with the message. My best content, my best content is usually when I'm passionate and almost angry. So the event that I went to today you have to pay $100,000 a year to be a member of that group. Mm. And I went in and most of them had no idea who I was. And a good chunk of them have serious reputations in the industry. And I yelled at them <laughs> and I, and I kicked their faces in. <laughs> and, and, and I actually, I love working with high achievers that way because they're not used to being challenged. And on this, it's absolute truth. And so there's no comeback and they actually respect it. So yeah. the emotional intelligence on my side, if you can't handle it, I'm not going to push you hard. Like it's meet people with compassion where they're at. Yeah. If somebody's all emotional and crying and sad, I, I have a hard time in, in knowing what I feel bad. I don't know how to comfort or support them as, as others might, as an Oprah might. If somebody is challenging or defensive, but is, as you said, growth minded or is a high achiever, I do really well. I do really well with those people, people who don't like to be challenged, who then get challenged and hear the truth uh, and respect you for the challenge. I do like the guy I pushed hard today and now he wants me back on his podcast and we're leaving in 10 minutes. Yeah. You mentioned emotional, emotional intelligence. You know, that's what that is. That empathy, not just for people in sadness, but also the resistance that people are showing and, and the control that they put in place. So you're leaving in 10 minutes, so we probably need to wrap up, hey? Yeah, yeah, like eight. <laughs> <laughs> eight minutes. All right. Okay, well, I better stop being a psychologist. Quickly, before we go, I've got a joke for you. Okay. Why can't you hear the psychologists when they go to the toilet? Here's maybe another insight. I don't want the answer. I want to figure it out. And so I will let that joke hang for two weeks thinking about it because I want to <laughs> solve the puzzle, but I don't know. So I'll just say I don't know, and, and for the sake of the show, tell me the answer. <laughs> Because the P is silent. There you go. I would never have guessed that. I, I'm, I'm I would, not ashamed to laugh at my own joke. My kids laugh at it, so that's all that matters to me. I would come up with like four uh, different and equally sensible responses that would not be that one. 
Um, anyway, that's my personality. I like it. What are we doing? What's my homework? I have to go. Here's what, here's what we're going to do. Here's what yeah. we're going to do. You're going to talk to your parents. We've talked about empathy. We've talked about that you have rock solid empathy. Okay. Okay. You've got a growth mindset, which is a good thing. Okay. okay? You, you, you're able to identify the difference between you as a person and the skills that you do or don't have. For sure. So that's an awesome thing. Okay. The empathy is a great strength for you, but it also brings up the shields. Okay. Okay. those that, and that's the shield they're the shields that we're you know when you let people down you don't want to let people down you don't want to disappoint people because you feel it okay, okay? you put yourself in their shoes and you feel it we don't want to stop you doing that because that's a beautiful human quality okay but we also want to understand it a little bit more so we can sort of maximize the strength elements of that as opposed to it feeling like sometimes getting a better understanding of that thread of feeling weird the weirdness and the empathy go together Sure. Yeah, there's something about understanding other people's uh, weirdness will do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they go together. So mm -hmm. understanding why, you know, why you felt like that as a kid and, and understanding what your parents remember. So your parents are your witness because they've been cheering you on forever. And there's a real reason why they've, they've, they've not just because they love you. Did, did you say they're my witness or weakness? Witness. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're the witness to you feeling weird as a kid, to you feeling okay. like a, a, a fish out of water as a kid, to the reasons why you went to see a psychologist as a kid. So getting something from them, having a conversation with them, and it might be hard to do that while you're traveling, but you know, I'll leave it with you. Oh no, I'll figure out. Hard, I like. Hard is fine. Hard okay. is not a problem. Just put, put me All in right. the right direction. <laughs> All right. So then have that conversation, if you can, have that conversation between now and when we talk with the idea that this is finding some evidence, getting back to my brand, you know, the whole finding proof thing, finding some evidence around what is it about your empathy and feeling weird that, you know, where does that come from and why is it so important that it still colours those fears that you have around disappointing people, letting people down. Um, there's strength in there as well. Okay. How so, does so it relate? I'm going to talk to my parents. <laughs> All right, I'm curious. We're diving deeper into You're too everything. eager. <laughs> What's You're that? Too, You're too eager. <laughs> I, I love being eager. I don't, I don't think too eager is a thing. That. I think people should be more eager. Yeah, okay. So what scares you? If I was to give you homework that scared you, what would it be? I don't know. I'm scared of a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. it's, that's not that I'm like, I'm terrified of many, many, many things. What could I do? I like when I find something that's relevant, I want to attack it. Right. Yeah. Like the nails, I want to attack it. I want to do it because it scares me. So I'm sure there's lots of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, dance naked in front of my audience would scare me, but I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> there's lines too. I'm not going to ask you to do that either. Right? What so, kind of show are we running here? <laughs> exactly. So the start of this tour was scary. Um, yeah. You know, we need to sell, Steve wants me to sell another 20,000 books before my next book is scary. Um, but I'll be scared and then I'll do it. I think it's something to do with letting go of control. And I think that, um, you know, the things that I've noticed, those shields that come up, that sense of disappointment, that sense of always being ready, that sense of over-preparedness, you know, letting go of control is probably where your, your sensitivity button is probably sitting in there somewhere. Okay. Hmm. Maybe, so maybe I wonder what the next... Maybe have a think about that. What the next... You know? Like, as an example, when I used to do interviews, I need to, ha I need to have all the questions in advance. You need to give me the questions in advance. I want to know everything, so I give you the best answer. 
But now I know that I don't want, they start telling me the questions. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I want to, I want to go live and just see what you're asking me all these like yeah. personal questions. I have nobody. I, yeah. I don't know what you're going to ask me. We didn't script yeah. this out before. No, right? I don't know it. what I'm going to ask you. It's right. a conversation, right? We're taking it where oh, you want to go. We're recording it. Just write each other an email. <laughs> when I recognize it, I love, I love the challenge of giving up the control because it's part of the process. So like for me to get to where I want to go, you need to control the, the way that we go through this conversation. Cause I'm just, I'm the subject, you know, you're the expert. So I'm following you. Um, and same thing with Steve and Hank, like they're the experts of those things. So I need to trust. If I trust a teacher, I'll do the work and give up control. If I don't trust a teacher, I will fight against the control with everything that I have. And I see glimmers of that sometimes, you know, sometimes in our conversations, you know, that, that pushback comes into it. And I guess um, part of my job is to, is to call you on it when I see it. Uh, um, yes. Yes. Tell me I suck, Tess. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Good for people who want to find you. What's, what's the next best step? Okay, so my Finding Proof page on Facebook. And welcome to all my new American followers. I'm very, very excited to have you all. Uh, Finding Proof, yes, I know, thumbs up to that. Uh, so it's Finding Proof with Dr. Tess Crawley. You can just put in Tess Crawley Mentoring and you'll find the page. Or you can just Google me because I'm all over the place like a rash, apparently. Uh, also on YouTube, got a channel there with, oh gosh, nearly 200 videos. So you can paddle around in there. And uh, yeah, and there's some, some more coming obviously Instagram too. That's cool. probably enough. <laughs> we'll put, we'll put that in the description guys. If you want to go check it out. Um, Tess, awesome. super appreciate the love. Thank you so much for your energy and, uh, always fun. We'll do this. We'll do this. Okay. If you want to see what Tess told me last time that made me feel super awkward, go check the link next to me. I think you'll enjoy it. Continue to believe and I'll see you there.